WHHH Indianapolis. It's Open Lines with Cameron Riddle on Hot 96.3. Hold up. Good morning to you, Indianapolis. I am Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle, coming to you live from the Hot 96.3 and 106.7 WTLC studios in downtown Indianapolis on this Sunday, February 20th, 2022. I know I always say we have a good show for you, and we do, but today's is also jam-packed. We're going to start this hour by continuing to keep an eye on what is happening at the State House. State Representative Cherish Pryor has an update for us on what she and the members of the Indiana Legislative Black Caucus have been up to as we are a little more than halfway now uh, through the legislative session for 2022. As you know, there's been a lot that's been going on in the headlines, both making local and national news. Uh, And so we'll, we'll check in and see what they've been able to accomplish or in other cases, exactly what they've been able to put the brakes on. We'll start at the top of the hour with Representative Pryor coming up. Uh, then at around 8.20, there's a lot going on today. The Interdenominational Ministerial Alliance is having a big program today to recognize Black History Month and celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King, an event that they didn't get to do previously because of bad weather. Well, it is happening today. And we will hear exactly what is on their lineup. If you're looking for something to do today, some way to commemorate and celebrate, we'll have the details around 820. Then at 840, 845, we will hear from Jeff Williams, who is one of the co-founders of Be Nimble. Uh, That's the organization that puts on the hottest parties of the year. We're talking about Party Gras. And then, of course, uh, if you were around in the summer, Garden Party. Well, Party Gras is coming up. Like this week, we have the complete rundown of the events, the multiple events that they have going on, and of course, leading all up to the big party. Those details coming up this morning at about 8.45. But uh, this morning, because we have such a jam-packed show, we're going to jump right into what is happening at the State House with State Representative uh, Cherish Pryor. As you may know, she is the Democratic Caucus floor leader and is a member, of course, of the Indiana Black Legislative Caucus. She also represents uh, Indiana State District 94. That's the near northwest side, or it's the northwest side, so north of 38th Street, going up a little around Kessler, all the way up to uh, about 70, 80, 80th Street or so. Uh, that cutout area is her district. She joins us right now on our live line, State Representative Pryor. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Cameron. It's so good to have you uh, with us here this morning. Thank you for your time. I know you guys have been... No problem. Absolutely. I know you guys have been hard at work. There's been a lot of controversies, uh, controversial bills that have come up this year uh, in the the... State House, but I know there's also been a lot of bipartisanship with some things that you guys have tried to get through. Where do we stand right now on the 20th day of February? Well, where we stand right now, you know, the the Black Caucus, um, we do every year come out with a um, agenda. This year we came out with a um, economic empowerment agenda. Unfortunately, the bills that we have on that agenda. Um, have not moved and so we're not happy about that however there are some bills that we do support 
that have had movement that um, some of our members are actually on or have spearheaded in years. And even though we're not the lead legislators on those particular bills, those bills are moving. Um, for instance, um, there is a bill that representatives been working on for mm-hmm. some time. Um, people may be aware of the situation in which um, in the Department of Corrections, um, a woman is pregnant. And what we found out is that they were sometimes restraining the woman during pregnancy. And so um, that bill is House Bill 1294. That bill is progressing uh, through the House. Another bill um, that I am on, House Bill 1361, deals with TANF and child care assistance eligibility. Um, I have, for the last three or four years, worked with representatives or been on a bill with Representative Goodrich, in which we are trying to make sure that because, that um, as people do better in their life and situation, they're not cut off TANF because they may make three or four more dollars over the eligibility requirement. So this year, we have a bill in which um, a person, um, a household can earn up to um, $10,000 without being cut off of TANF. Mm -hmm. Uh, The current cutoff is five years. We also have uh, in that bill um, that you can own a vehicle that, uh, value is up to $20,000. The current uh, amount is $10,000. Well, it, with the prices of cars going up the way that they are, it's very difficult to have a car valued at $10,000. That's reliable enough to get you back and forth to work. So that bill has gotten a lot of bipartisan support. However, there are some bad bills um, that we need to be concerned about in our community as well. Um, House Bill 1077, that gets rid of the licenses to carry a firearm. Um, the Black Caucus um, has been opposed to that. Representative Shackleford were actually uh, on lawmakers, I think, Thursday to talk about this particular bill, but people need to be concerned about that. Um, there's also House Bill 1116, um, that bill. Uh, would make it more difficult for people to receive absentee ballots to vote. Um, the Elections Committee uh, worked hard to try to um, make some changes to that bill. Unfortunately, that bill is still moving. Hopefully, there will be changes over in the Senate to make it better. And then there's also a bill dealing with uh, referendums. Um, in, in charter schools and the sharing of referendum money with charter schools. Um, last year, we passed a bill that said if a traditional school passed a referendum, they could share part of that referendum dollars, dollar money with a charter school. The bill that's going through um, the House and the Senate through the legislature right now, it makes that mandatory for that money to be shared. The challenge um, in the revenue sharing is if uh, a traditional school has a referendum, um, needs a million dollars, they have to share 
either share part of that million dollars that they need with the charter school, or they have to ask for more money. Mm -hmm. That means that people's property taxes are going to increase even more. And the concern is that um, people may be more reluctant to not support that referendum because it's going to cost more money. Also, um, as a part of that, um, there is a cost to put on a referendum for the traditional school. Um, and in that bill, there is no accountability for um, or no sharing of the cost of that referendum coming from the charter school. Also, uh, on the referendum, when if you when you go to the ballot, the, the uh, traditional school has to state how they're going to use that money so that the public is aware that the money is either going for operational costs, um, it's going for uh, teacher salary, it's going whatever it's going for. It has to be as part of that referendum. So um, uh, uh, with this particular bill, though, um, the charter schools, we have you will have no way of knowing what the charter school is going to use that money for. And so there's a lack of transparency um, that would also need to be clarified in that bill. Um, the last bill that I would talk about um, is Senate Bill uh, 328. That is also an elections uh, bill. That elections bill uh, was amended. I was able to put in an amendment in that bill on uh, Thursday that said that um, if you are a, uh, for Marion County, if you are a county chair, you cannot hold office or run for office um, at the same time. And the reason why um, I introduced that particular amendment was because of the inherent conflict of interest if you are a county chair and you are also um, an elected official, particularly if you are the county clerk, uh, because the county clerk is the person that oversees the elect uh, that oversees the election for everybody. The county clerk is also on the uh, Marion County Elections Board. The county chairperson appoints a person to the Marion County Elections Board. Um, the county chairperson. Um, also determines um, who feels and does not feel um, the vacancies for um, precinct and precinct committee uh, spots as well. So there is so much of a conflict of interest within that. Um, I, I just felt that we need to have some a, a separation so that there can be some type of neutrality um, um, as it relates to the uh, county chairperson and holding a public office. We're on the air this morning with State Representative uh, Cherish Pryor, who just did give us a great breakdown on a lot of the things uh, she and her members, uh, her fellow members of the Indiana Black Legislative Caucus have been working on uh, this session at the State House. Uh, if you want to talk to her, you've got a couple of minutes to do so, 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. Representative, there's two bills I want to draw attention to, uh, one of them that you mentioned, which was House Bill 1072, the referendum uh, bill. So just to go back to that, in, in years past, um, if school districts wanted to, you know, if they needed more money for teachers or equipment or buses or buildings, they had to go get a referendum to do it, and that's because mm -hmm. property tax caps were put in 
uh, just limiting how much money the schools could get. Now, with the referendums, they told, um, you know, folks, hey, if you want to raise some money, go get a referendum. Ask the people who live in your community to give you more money. No problem. Yes. And we've long heard, you know, people who work in public education uh, say that our our public education dollars are being taken from us uh, and given to charter schools. And you could always make an argument that maybe some of that was just hyperbole, just hyperbole, just talk. Uh, But this time with House Bill 1072, they would literally charter schools would literally be taking money uh, from school district, public school districts that ask for more money. So let, let's say we're in Warren Township. We're just going to pick on Warren Township. And uh, they say, hey, we need more money to raise teacher salaries and to buy new books. And they list that out exactly in their referendum. And they say, hey, we need $2 million. Well, if, uh, if I open uh, Cameron's Charter School over on uh, – uh, 22nd and and post or something uh i'm now in warren township and i automatically get to attach myself to that referendum but without saying what i'm going to use it for and being accountable for how i then used it is is that how i'm understanding this bill um basically i will say that so it's going to be very difficult for the traditional school because we have place in um, stated that the money should follow the child. Mm-hmm. So whatever school district that child is coming from, um, if that school district has a referendum, then that money goes to that child, um, which is it creates a whole nother problem for the charter schools. But you're right in that there is no accountability. It was stated that, well, they'll have to put it on their website, but as a taxpayer, I have no idea where all those kids are coming from that's in that charter school. Or how many charter schools there are in, in the first place. Or how many, yeah. So it's very difficult. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's an added burden um, for the taxpayer um, to try to, to determine, um, you know, where my money is going. And I will say this also, Cameron, um, when charter schools first came around, they said that they could do the money. They said that they could do a better job with less money. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're seeing the charter schools are saying we want the same amount of money. So um, the the whole tone and statement and, and mission, I, I would almost say, has changed. Um the schools are do a good job, um, and some have challenges. Mm-hmm. the The issue is traditional schools; they can't turn away um, the kids. If a child shows up to their school, they can't say we full, we're at capacity. They have to take that child, and we have far more requirements and restraints and accountability measures in place for traditional schools that we do charter schools. So there's not an equal playing field there. Um, But to ask taxpayers to pay more money when that that charter school may not even need that additional money. Mm -hmm. But they're getting it anyway. So you're getting money that you may not need. 
um, and then there's no accountability um, as to how or transparency of how it's going to be used. Well, and if you have issue of and if you have issue or complaint um, about the charter school and how it's ran, you don't get to vote on directly vote on the people on that charter school board. You have direct accountability um, with the traditional school. You can vote in or vote out, vote out your school board members for a traditional school. That's not the case with the charter school. Let me ask you real quick, while we're also talking about schools, House Bill 1134 uh, has moved out of the House where you are and has gone over to the Senate. And I know you're not in the Senate, but what what is it going to what does the future of that bill look like? I'm glad you mentioned that bill, uh, Cameron. There are so many things <laughs> out there. And, and let me just remind everybody real quick, House Bill 1134 is that bill that our uh, regional vice president and general manager, Dion Levingston, has asked you to call uh, the state representatives about telling them you don't want uh, that bill to go any further. You want to see it dead because that is the bill that would regulate uh, the way teachers can teach history. And, of course, has gotten a lot of pushback, local and national headlines. So, Representative Pryor, I, I know that, that's a hot button uh, bill right now. It's a hot button bill, and we've seen um, the teachers um, and people come down to the state house on a consistent basis to speak out against that bill because um, it is a horrible, horrible piece of legislation. Um, it's as if the state legislature is now the glorified school board for the entire state of Indiana, mm. where we're dictating and trying to control how and what is being taught in the classrooms when we have, when the majority of us have never stepped foot in a classroom other than to, to than when we were, stu- were mm-hmm. a student. Mm-hmm. Or maybe if we had kids, we went into the schools, schools for our kids. But that bill is over in the Senate. Um, it Hopefully it gets drastically changed or die. Um, the bill, the comparable bill that was in the Senate, ended up dying because the author of the bill made some very egregious statements. Um, so that bill um, got killed. Hopefully, House Bill Senate thir- House, or Senate House Bill 1134 will see the same fate. Uh, but it is oh, going to uh, make a determination as to whether or not that bill moves forward. But people do need to call and, and uh, express their opposition to that bill and all these other horrible bills um, that I, I spoke about as well. Well, let me take a couple of quick calls real quick, and we'll wrap it up here. Let's go to uh, caller. Well, callers, we'll need you to keep about 30 seconds because uh, we are tight on time today. Caller on line two, good morning. Who's this? Hi, my name's Elaine. I just wanted to ask something about the charter school. Go for it. Um, from what I understand, charter schools are for profit. So I'm kind of confused as to how they can even try to include the money for, um, like, IPS and Washington Township and other schools um, with their, with them when actually they are for-profit institutions. They're not there just to help the kids. They're, there is a, a profit base that comes from charter schools. So, Representative, can you explain to me why or how they're even allowing that to occur because their bottom line is to make a profit or they wouldn't even be in the city. Thank you, Elaine. Uh, for that question, um, charter schools get their charter from either 
the city of Indianapolis can grant a charter to a group of people that may come together and say, we want to start a charter school. Um, the uh, Your local school district can um, determine whether or not they want to give a charter to a group of people or, or uh, an entity. And then a university can do that as well. The only university that has been issuing charters um, has been Ball State. But I think what she's talking about, though, is that um, when the charters are issued, the the people who um, who went for the charter can hire a company to run that charter school, and those organizations or those the charter school operators those can be businesses or not for profit organizations, and. And that is what she's referring to, where there is a bottom line basis where somebody is trying to make money because they have to um, even the chart sometimes with the charter um, the entity that grants the charter, um, sometimes they even charge uh, a fee to the organization that wants that charter school as well. So I think Ball State has charged um, for charters that they've issued. The city of Indianapolis does not, um, and neither does, I think, um, it, it, IPS has an innovation network schools, which are charter uh, charter schools within their um, system. But um, there is a, a profit-making mechanism, but it is the entity that actually operates the charter school. Representative. And, 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 and that's not all of them. I don't think that's all of them either. Some of them are not-for-profit um, that operates the charter schools, and then some of them are for, can, can be for-profit as well. Representative Pryor, uh, we are out of time. How can people get in touch with you, contact you, uh, a, a, or to find out if you are their representative? You are my representative, by the way. Um, oh, <laughs> um, I have the best district out there. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Um, how can people get in so, touch with you? So this is the number for the House and the Senate. For people to call to express their support or opposition to these bills that I've talked about. The number for the House um, of Representatives is 317-232-9600. Again, the House of Representatives is 317-232-9600. The number for the Senate is 317-232-9400. Again, 317-232-9400. You can also go to the um, Black Caucus, um, email the Black Caucus at IBLC at IGA dot IN dot GOV. Again, I, the Indiana Black Legislative Caucus email is IBLC at IGA dot IN dot GOV. Representative Cherish Pryor starting off our week with us. Thank you for keeping us up to date on what is happening at the State House. We appreciate you so much. No problem. Anytime. All right. Still to come here on Open Lines, uh, the Interdenominational Ministerial Alliance is honoring Dr. King and Black History Month today and later this week. We'll have the details on what you can put on your calendar, a place for you to go, a place for you to get informed, celebrate and commemorate. The details are coming up in three minutes. More of Open Lines is next.
We want to hear from you, your thoughts, your views, your voice. We are your eye on the community. It's Open Lines on High 96.3. Back to Open Lines with Cameron Riddle on High 96.3. on Hot 96.3 and 106.7 WTLC. This is Open Lines, and I am your host, Cameron Riddle, on this beautiful Sunday morning. All right, at this time, uh, we're going to take the porch calendar, check and see what it is you are doing today, uh, because we've got something for you to do if you don't have any plans. Uh, we have a way for you to commemorate Black History Month and the life and legacy of Reverend Dr. Uh, Martin Luther King. Uh, this was an event that was supposed to happen uh, earlier the earlier in the year, but due to some uh, severe weather, they had to make some cancellations and reschedule things for today. Uh, there's an event uh, by the Interdenominational Ministerial Alliance of Indianapolis. Uh, they are compounding the dream. It is tonight at 6 o'clock over at the Temple of Praise Apostolic Assembly right here in Indy. That's at 3969 Meadows Drive, uh, over at uh, 46205. Uh, that's just one of the events. Then on uh, the 22nd, which will be Tuesday, they have a breakfast uh, starting at 10 a.m. at the Jewel Event Center at 3333 North Illinois Street. To get more details on what both tonight's event and Tuesday's breakfast is all about, we are joined on our live line by King Roe Connolly. He is the special assistant to the president for the IMA, the Interdenominational Ministerial Alliance of Indianapolis, as well as Reverend Richard Hunter, who is the treasurer. Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. Good morning to Th your camera. Thank, thank you, you so much. much for having us here. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on and letting us know uh, how we can commemorate both uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, his life and legacy, as well as uh, Black History Month. You have an event tonight that starts at 6 o'clock. Tell us about that one first. Well, the, the theme is com compounding the dream of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Black History Month uh, services. And it is tonight at uh, 6 o'clock at the Temple of Praise Apostolic, uh, Apostolic Assembly in Indy, as you just stated, 3969 Meadows Drive in Indianapolis. And we're asking people to come out because we have with us as our special speaker is uh, Dr. Jamal Harrison Bryant, who is senior pastor of the New Birth Missionary Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. And you want to hear that because, you know, he's a Morehouse man. And you know the old saying that they say about Morehouse men. You can tell a Morehouse man 
but you can't tell him much. So come around and see what he has to say about that. He's a fantastic human being, a great man of God. And uh, it's going to be wonderful. Family-oriented, we uh, ask that you bring the entire family, and especially for this uh, history-making event. And and bring the small ones, bring the kids so they can get into the uh, reality of what's happening. And it's going to be hosted uh, by Pastor uh, Bishop Donald L. Golder, who's the prelate. And uh, it's going to be absolutely wonderful. We're going to be doing some things in this historic IMA, which is, oh, I think, what, 144 years old or somewhere in, in, in there, if I'm correct. And there's so much going on that people might not know where the president of the organization is, Dr. Lionel T. Rush, and we got some wonderful things uh, in store for them and to bring them up on some of the stuff that they might not uh, know about that they can find out about if they attend this program. I don't think anybody, we're going to have a wonderful array of guests there, and we're going to be giving away some humongous uh, I should say gigantic awards for people, for some of our great soldiers, and the awards in the name of some of our pioneers. So it's going to be this evening, and I got Dr. Hunter on if you want to add in. But it's going to be just a great e- event. You, 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 you won't want to miss this. And we couldn't do it earlier at our scheduled time because of the weather, but you know, when God makes his plan, we have to change ours. That's but right. we that's what we did and this is our plan <clears throat> so you, to do it today. So not only do you have this event today, but you also have a breakfast coming up ten AM on Tuesday, which is the twenty second. Which is the breakfast on Tuesday is not a black history month event. That is our regular meeting, but we have great speakers there as well. And, and we wanting the communities to support both of these events, even though they're kind of back-to-back. But still, uh, we have some great folks that's going to be there. On Tuesday, we're going to have as our speaker for our regular monthly meeting, and that's what this is, Bob Opsley, who is the president of the City County Council, along with uh, Carrie Forrestal, who is the Marion County Sheriff. So both of those two people will be speaking on Tuesday. The breakfast starts at 10 a.m., so we, and we want the community to support this effort as well because this effort gives you information, gives you things as, as to what's going in our community, uh, lets you actually reach and touch those that are in the know, in in what's going on, and you'll be, you'll be right there with them. Is that not correct, King Row? And then on tonight, make sure you come out and see uh, Pastor Jamal Harrison Bryant. A great man. He's a great man. He's he's a young man, too. He's not an older guy. He's a younger guy. He's about 50 years old, and he is not only a graduate of Morehouse, but he's also a graduate of Duke University, and he has a doctorate in ministry from a Graduate Theological Foundation, so he, he is grounded, and he is a pastor of a historic uh, church in, in Atlanta, Georgia, down in DeKalb. <clears throat> Georgia. Tell you, that's the church that my son used to go to when he was down there uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. So that's that's I'm kind of familiar with that church and, and uh, not so much with this pastor, but with the church. I was there when the other pastor was there before him. He is a wonderful young man that can help to lead and guide us, that can help to give us information not only about black history, but about our history and to know that that uh, uh, we are we are blessed 
in this event, IMA is not only looking to, to push you forward, but we're looking backward and we're saying, look, these people have done great things in our community, and we want to reward them. And so we're giving them awards to say, look, we honor and we thank you for what you've done. So tell me about what you have going on tonight at 6 o'clock. What is the message? I know you said it's a family event. Why come out? What are we going to hear? You're going to hear... Uh, you're going to hear from the award winners as well, but you're going to hear hear a a dynamic speaker. You're going to see leaders in the community. They've been invited, and they are, they are coming. Uh, you're going to hear Jamal Harrison Brandt, who's going to be our our main speaker, and he has a message. I, I can't tell his whole message, but he has a message based upon his other messages that is dynamic, that is poignant and that will help the community in, in many, many ways. Six o'clock uh, tonight. Um, I know you don't, I'm trying to get you to give me a, a, a little tease. Is it, uh, as you combine Dr. King as well as uh, Black History Month, what is it that you hope uh, anybody in the audience is going to be able to take away from the event? The takeaways from this event will be that you will understand a little bit better about Dr. King. One thing we need to do is not forget our history, mm-hmm. and sometimes that's what we do. We, 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 we have a tendency of forgetting about, about our history, and when we forget about our history, we forget about the way that we walked and talked in life. So you're going to get a, a message that, that, that reinforces in black history. And you're going to also get a message about how Jesus Christ walked and talked this earth as well, because he is a great dynamic theologian. And you're going to hear from a dynamic national theologian. And so those two things are going to be a great takeaway for us to use, not only from that message that you're going to hear tonight, that you can use in your everyday walk of life. 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. If you got a question, want some more details about where you need to go tonight, you can give us a call. One of the things about Dr. King that's always, um, that, that we're mis, I want to say misled, that isn't made clear, is that Dr. King hasn't been dead that long. His, his, his life, he would still be alive. You know, we, we just, we talked about Betty White passing away at, at, at 99 years old um, last month, well, the end of 2021, Dr. King would have still been alive. He was in, they were alive at the same time. He was, uh, he was alive with uh, mm-hmm. so many of uh, people who are still alive today. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, when you go sit at tonight's program, is that going to be brought to the forefront that this was not something that happened 100 years ago? This was in our lifetime. He's just not here now. Exactly. Uh, I don't know about King Rowe, but exactly. <clears throat> we, uh, Dr. King, th- there's still people that walked and talked with him that was alive, mm-hmm. that, that actually was in his presence that are still alive today. Some of them are of our great leaders at, at that time have passed, but they are still ones, even in this city. Dr. King would visit this city quite a bit. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he was intricately involved with the Brown family, with Thomas yep. Brown, who's yep. still alive. And with Dr. Andrew Brown, who was his dad over at St. John's Missionary Baptist Church, he regularly would walk through that church. 
just like Jesse Jackson and a lot of the other greats uh, came to this city because of that nucleus of people that was there that fought for the, the civil rights, for the social rights that we have, for all these different rights that we have in our minds and, and spirits. That is that is the essence of Dr. King and what he has done, and we do not need to let that dream die in any form or fashion. We need to make sure it stays open and it stays moving. And so uh, somebody like Dr. Uh, Dr. Bryant coming tonight and blessing us with, with a message and this, just the nucleus of this program that says, look, we want to make sure that we keep the dream alive, and we need to make sure we keep this dream alive. He walked and talked, even even myself. I did not march with him, but it was Shuttlesworth and some of the others. I even marched with them in Cincinnati and other places. Uh, we we got to we got to not lose our history. Mm-hmm. We uh, of folks that that died just so we can vote, so we can read in school, so we can do, uh, so we can live in, in all different types of places. Uh, you know, all that came out of out of of these social issue people that stood tall and put their lives on the line so that we can move forward. Let me stop you right there because you got a couple of callers so we got to squeeze in before we got to hop off to our next segment. So let me run to the phones real quick. Uh, callers, again, keep it to about 30 seconds because we are tight on time this morning. Caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? A philosophical analysis of morning, what Dr. Larry. King done and his movements and so forth will show that he destroyed us. He is uh, one of the most mass murderers of the 20th century that ever exists. We can see that historical. And you know, Reverend Hunter, we cannot escape history, right? We can look it straight in the face and see that Martin Luther King destroyed us, and now you're trying to pass this propaganda on to our kids. They're going to reject it because it's a lie. And once a lie is exposed, it's two-thirds destroyed. And then people don't want anything to do with it. We need to stop lying to our kids. Well, Larry, to I totally lying. Different. All right, that's All time. Thank you, Larry. Forfeit in our destiny here in this country. All right, thank you, Larry. That's time, gentlemen. Hold on, don't bother, don't take the bait. We got another call. We're going to take caller on line two. Good morning. Who's this? <laughs> Good morning, gentlemen. King Road and Reverend Hunter, and thanks, Aaron, his brother. Good morning. And I'm definitely not going to take the bait. I just got one issue I've had from years of studying Dr. King and just studying. The black community being being African American and being uh, one of the brothers who've always been out here is that Travis Smiley wrote a book called The Radical King a few years ago. I uh, uh, implore you gentlemen to grab that book, The Radical King. We don't hear we hear all these passive uh, speeches from from Dr. King, but actually Dr. King had a lot of radical and a lot of uh, 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 earth shaking ideas and views. Doctor Reverend Hunter. As far as the clergy is concerned, I've heard Pastor Jamal speak in person, met him in person. Uh, he's a little bit, he's, he's, he's more forthright than what most would think. From the clergy's point of view, how does the clergy get back to the essence of that radical king, of the essence of doing for the community and doing for the least of thee, and doing for people who we see daily on a daily basis who are still fighting this frame? like Dr. King spoke of. Remember, it's three evils. Militarism, poverty, and racism. All right, MOTV, I'm going to stop you. to get back to that. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm going to stop you right there. Gentlemen, if you could uh, try to answer that, or you can say, hey, I'm going to answer part of that, and you'll hear the rest when you come to tonight's program because we're tight on time. 
if if I may, if you, if you think about it, you, you need you need to be a little bit radical in, in there. And Dr. King, I was trying to get in because talking about being alive, I was one of Dr. King's lieutenants in the foot soldier movement. I was on the Edmund Pettison Bridge. We sat and got teaching about how to deal with nonviolence, although sometimes you want to throw the biggest brick you could, you could find. But that was come from teaching and understanding. And he taught us, if you never get into the devil's den, you don't know what the devil is doing. So you need to be a little bit radical to shake up things and to get their attention. And then you glide with what you have, have learned and how to be nonviolent about it, but getting your point across, uh, period. And I think that's what you're going to hear some of that this evening. And we encourage you to come out and judge for yourself. Well, uh, I think whatever um, topics uh, that you're going to hear tonight— uh, has struck a nerve because the phones are ringing and folks want to chime in on that. I think I know why, because somebody opened up a can of gasoline. To bring it on out at 6 o'clock. There you go. Give us the details. Let's give the details uh, one more time. Tonight, 6 o'clock, Temple of Praise Apostolic Assembly here in Indy. That is at 3969 Meadows Drive, Indianapolis, Indiana, 46205. Again, that's Compounding the Dream. Tonight at 6 o'clock at 3969 Meadows Drive, Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, Where the Bishop Donald L. Golder is the host pastor, and we'll be waiting for you, and you're going to be encouraged, enthused, and educated. King Roe Conley and Reverend Richard Hunter. Gentlemen, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show this morning and uh, starting the week with us and and giving us something to think about. We know we'll hear much more uh, to talk about and chew on at tonight's program. And then again, the event coming up on Tuesday, the breakfast, uh, where You'll get to learn even more about some folks who are around and, and doing the work still. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, Cameron. You're doing a great job. Thank Th- you. Thank you. Thank you. All God right. bless you, Cameron. Thank you. Likewise. Uh, all right. Still to come here on the show this morning, I'm giving you more to do. Uh, more things that are happening in the city coming up just this week. Uh, Party Gras is coming up. And Jeff Williams, the co-founder of Be Nimble, who puts on the organization, will join us coming up in three minutes to give us the rundown of what to expect event-wise this week. More of Open Lines with Cameron Riddle is coming up right here on Hot 96.3 and 106.7 WTLC. We want to hear from you, your thoughts, your views, your voice. We are your eye on the community. It's Open Lines on Hot 96.3. More of Open Lines now on Hot 96.3. And we are back with more open lines. If I can get my headphones to work correctly, hang on, hang on, because I can't hear nothing. Hang on. Alright, here we go. Every time I move, I can't hear anything. Alright, leave it right there. Alright, we're back with more of Open Lines here on Hot 96.3 and 106.7 WTLC. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle. Uh, this week, there was a lot going on, as there always is here in the good city of Indianapolis, as we are phasing out, they say, of this pandemic and moving into an endemic stage it's time for a lot of your favorite events to come back to life and come back better than ever bigger than ever because for the past couple of years they just haven't quite been the same one of those events um that was actually one of the last events that 
was part of normal life pre-COVID in March of 2020, uh, one of the last events, you might remember, was Mardi Gras across the country. And, of course, we have Party Gras right here in Indianapolis. It is back this year. Uh, it is back this week. And Jeff Williams is the co-founder of Be Nimble, which puts on Party Gras. He joins us on our live line right now with a preview of what is happening with the event lineup this week. Jeff, good morning. Hey, hey, good morning, Cameron. Good to be back. It's Happy good, Sunday. It's good to have you, man. Thank you. Happy Sunday to you. I hope you rested up because uh, it's go time now. Oh, yeah, definitely go time. You've got uh, events starting as early as Tuesday and running all the way up until next Sunday, which is the best day of the year, my birthday. And you got a good, <laughs> br- good got a brunch going on that day. So tell us, what, what's, on, what's on the event lineup? Absolutely, yeah. So just to remind the community, good morning to everybody. Uh, Party Girl Ball as well as uh, Be Nimble Foundation. So we essentially put on a series of week of events that highlights the work that we're doing to upskill the black community in tech jobs, but then also accelerate uh, black-owned businesses through technology, grants, and fundraising. So our events this week are all geared towards the key elements that we're looking to focus on this year, which is retail, e-com, as well as our chef entrepreneurship program, which we have called Melon Kitchen at 16 Tech in the Ant Food Hall. So week lineup is going to start with a few events that are centered on uh, the release and the grand opening of the Kitchen Accelerator, which we launched uh, post-pandemic. So we're excited to get that off the ground fully. And then we'll have our retail and e-commerce uh, event, which we're going to be highlighting black-owned brands within retail and the e-com setting uh, that's based out of Indianapolis. And then we'll end the week really bringing back that whole party weekend feel, which will be an R&B house party on Friday night at the Pavilion. And then we'll have our main event, Party Girl, which is the fifth annual. Finally, we're back. And uh, the theme this year is Crown. Because our whole thought process is, is, you know, especially post-pandemic and, you know, this racial reckoning or awakening is really all about us, you know, empowering our community to really step into their crown. So we're really excited to bring everybody out to in their crowns and, and bringing those ball games and those nice tuxedos back to celebrate our culture and, and us giving back and crowdfunding our, our advancement. And then, of course, on your birthday, we've got our recap brunch at Michael's Soul Kitchen. Can't wait to bring that back. Uh, it's been it's been a while, but you know, got to bring the R&B brunch uh, back post uh, the event as everybody is is preparing for coming down off the high from the weekend, but then also preparing for the next week. So, with with these events get really popular, um, do do you need to get tickets ahead of time? How how does it all work? Absolutely, absolutely. So right now, you can find uh, tickets at our website, which is. We made it very easy. So Party Girl, it's the fifth year. So we did party.com, and instead of an A, we used a V, uh, and then D-I at the end, so party.com. Or you can uh, join us at our normal uh, website, which is we like to party, party with the A-R-D-I at the end. Uh, so, yeah, so tickets are live. Uh, one thing, especially post-pandemic with Omicron popping, we really wanted to ensure before we really released everything that we had a, a significant plan around that. Uh, so we are limiting capacity to all of our events by about 75%, which, as you know, for us, you know, having events that scale in the weekend around 2,000 at the bar, you know, coming down off of that to keep everybody safe. So uh, we really put those uh, protocols in place, and then everybody can, uh, you know, join us 
this week uh, through our website to buy tickets to each of those events. So now, if you're VIP, you get automatic access to everything in a week free. So tell us again, for folks who, who, who missed it, you guys aren't just putting on this week of events and then uh, pocketing the money to go on vacation in Cancun. You guys turn this money back around, and it benefits a lot of people. Tell us about that again. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. And I, and I think for us, you know, Be Nimble Foundation, founded in 2017, really, like, why are we here? Honestly, it's, it's to help close the wealth gap. We just believe that we can close the racial wealth gap through technology careers, so helping our community get access to higher-paying jobs, and then, too, accelerating the success of entrepreneurship. You know, we are the most underfunded, uh, you know, generation or, or, or community when it comes to, to launching businesses. And it's too much around this idea that we don't necessarily have the tools or, or the or the knowledge to actually start businesses. And what we know is that's actually not the case. You know, really, our challenges are around access to capital, uh, double negative bias, and then just the diversity that people are funding and the diversity of, of methods to, to get engaged. And really, that's what we're, we're focused on is really drawing attention to that and really closing that gap. Uh, so that that's what it's all about. So the fundraisers throughout this week, they go back into our program uh, and the grants that we will give out to our businesses that are within our programs. So I, you mentioned COVID and we're we're in this odd period where the scientists are like, all right, we're we're almost there. And the politicians are like, yeah, it's good enough. We're there. Go ahead and take the masks and stuff off. So as someone who I know you feel you take responsibility for, you know, the, what happens at, at your events, as you always do, how you mentioned the 75 percent capacity. How are you encouraging people to come? Is it, you know, wear a mask if you want, be vaccinated? How can people come and feel safe? Absolutely. Right. So, uh, you know, aside from, you know, just what we know is the new normal, having sanitation areas and making uh, wide access to masks available. We are asking, you know, all guests to wear a mask. However, we will like if you do have um, if you are vaccinated, right, like if you if you have the vaccine, then certainly you can show us proof of that. And we will honor you not having to wear a mask. But it's all about us taking the community approach to keeping people safe while also honoring the current state and not going too far above and beyond what uh, local government uh, protocol is currently. Right. So, right. Yeah. Trying to be realistic. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, it really hit our families, you know, and our team as well as our community pretty hard. And there was a time where we thought, hey, should we even do it right? Like we could we didn't do it in 2021. And the thought is we want to, number one, keep our community safe first. And uh, with that, it was it was just important that until we could feel comfortable doing that, then we weren't we were certainly going to just postpone. But we feel confident that we can put on a safety event for everyone. So we did decide to go ahead and move forward. And we're excited to bring it back. So, Jeff, give us the website one more time where folks can look at the calendar and decide what events they want to go to uh, this week. We like to party.com. Yeah, we like to party, just like Beyonce said, but we're going to spell party P A R D I. So, look forward to seeing y'all for and, sure. And please visit our website to learn more about our nonprofit. And, th- and this really is, I know I said it before, but this is re- really is one of the hottest parties of the year, hottest party of the winter. There's there's a couple big ones. People look forward to it. Zubilation. Now they look forward to your garden party and, of course, party gras in the wintertime. So all of those events give back to their community. But this one in particular really gives back to people 
uh, who are who are black, people who are brown, who are starting their business, who are starting their startups. Uh, your partying this week helps fund their startup business. Absolutely. And we gave out during Garden Party. We invested back into black-owned businesses over one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. Wow! So not only were the grants that we gave out to the entrepreneurs that participated that week in our pitch competition, but also our choice of using black vendors equated to over one hundred and twenty-five thousand spent within our community. Wow! Uh, we like to party. dot com, right? Absolutely, we like to party. dot com. All right, that's where you need to go to find all the details on party weekend jeff are you guys already planning for a garden party again oh yes we are uh back bigger and, and certainly with the community's uh feedback in mind we're looking forward to, to bringing that back and certainly we'll be releasing more details on that once we get past party week all right and we uh, we know we, you'll come right back here and let us know you already know all right, Jeff Williams, co-founder of Be Nimble. Uh, Jeff, tell everybody uh, at the organization I said hello and good luck this week. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. And happy early birthday, my man. Thank you. Thank you. That's going to do it for this edition of Open Lines with Cameron Riddle. I appreciate you joining us. If you missed any portion of the show or want to go back at any time and listen, Find our podcast. Just go wherever it is you listen to podcasts and type in Open Lines with Cameron Riddle. You can take us wherever you go 24-7. Coming up here on Hot 96.3, all of your favorite music. And if you're listening on WTLC 106.7, here comes the Hour of Power with Al Sharpton. We'll be back same time, same stations right here next Sunday, live at 8.